So what's the big problem with wealth creation? How do people like us, who didn't inherit a boatload of money, who are investing and building wealth from our own blood, sweat and tears, how do we invest in a way that gives us remarkable results and become financially free before retirement age? I don't know about you, but I am sick of hearing from wealth gurus and experts who don't walk their own talk and prescribe strategies that are a one-size-fits-all approach. For self-made people like you and me, I'm here to tell you that you don't need to be superhuman or already wealthy to reach financial freedom earlier than 65. This is the Alternative Investing Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode, I want to address the question of does owning more properties mean you are more successful? And I'm going to actually steal my own punchline here and say absolutely not. I think counting the number of properties that you own as the metric for success is purely a vanity metric. And I want to really unpack this idea for you so that you can better understand why it is categorically, hands down, the wrong way to view wealth building. I was talking to a client over the last month about his borrowing capacity. He is someone who has been a business owner for the last decade. He's had his head down, bum up, working his tail off, trying to put himself in a position where he could build the wealth that he wanted. Unfortunately, because it has been on the back burner, he's now in a situation where he is really starting from ground zero. And he realizes that the situation that he is in today could translate for him into a huge borrowing capacity. And therefore, one of the things he's toyed with is the idea of going out and amassing 20, 30 investment properties because he can. The question is, should he? And one of the things I really want to advocate today is that if you are looking through the lens of volume, then you are going to cripple, potentially cripple your investing results and put yourself in a situation where you compromise quality and outcome in order to get some meaningless uh, metric. Now, the background that I want to kind of put around all of this is there is an industry which is hell-bent on telling us that the more properties we own, the more successful we are. And that is absolute insane rubbish. I have clients who've had massive portfolios with very little equity, very little cash flow, all the way through to clients who have maybe two or three investment properties and who are wildly successful. The metaphor that I would suggest that you adopt is that of a chess master. And the reason I'm bringing this up is I know a number of exceptional investors, particularly in the space of real estate and specifically alternative real estate strategies, who think like chess masters. And if you think about the way that a chess master operates or how they even get to becoming a chess master, they're not thinking about how can I make the most possible moves to win the game? They are thinking about how can I get to checkmate in the fewest possible moves? And the upshot of most investors' situations is you have limited income, you have limited time on this planet, in this body, and you have to make the most of the resources that you have as they come into your world. And the real game around investing that not many people will talk about is how do you take a dollar out of your pocket today and put it into something that will exponentially grow and that will, within the shortest possible time, look after you, give you that freedom, give you the financial independence to do what you want with your time, even if that constitutes continuing to run your business or work. So this concept of being a chess master 
is about how do I get to the outcome that I want, which for most people is financial independence with the fewest possible moves, not the most, the fewest. So what that means is you shouldn't get stuck thinking that you need to buy X number of properties or that if you don't buy X number of properties that you have lost the game. You need to be creative. You need to think outside the square and above all, you've got to apply common sense to this stuff. If you understood that the whole game is pitched against you, whether it's uh, real estate agents, buyers agents, brokers, financial planners, wealth gurus, all these property experts, they are all there to try and sell you volume. And the reason they're wanting to sell you volume is that's how they get paid. The vast majority of people in and around the wealth space have made money, have become wealthy because of the business they run not from actually being a practitioner and being good at the work that they do. So if you have that context in your mind, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those people. In many cases, they're they're skillful, they're good at their jobs, and they certainly help a lot of people along their way. But if you can remember this idea that working with them, their interest is in selling you volume, then you can start to bring some clarity and take back some power around what you buy and when. So with that framework, in mind, there's just a few things that I want to kind of drive home as, you know, if this is the truth, if the industry is stacked against us, if income is our limiting factor when it comes to accumulating real estate, which it is today, it's certainly not like it was 20, 30 years ago where income was irrelevant and it was all about the deal itself, where you could buy an asset, wait for it to grow a little bit, refinance, pull out some cash and go again and go again and go again. And that is why there were so many investors back in the day when I started who were able to amass these enormous property portfolios with very little equity across the board with, in most cases, very little cash flow, but they weren't inhibited by the fact that they might have only been an average wage earner, for example. These days, that is not the case. The banking system is significantly more conservative. The global financial crisis was really the, I guess, the point of inflection where the banks started to tighten the screws and then continue to tighten them. And now we're in a world where the conservatism of the banks is really what's going to stop us from growing our portfolio, which, you know, frankly, is not a bad thing. But the question is, what do we do about it? What does it mean for our wealth? And how can we still put ourselves in a position where we can exit the rat race sooner? And I think the first thing that I want to really focus on is this idea that you have to have clarity about what your borrowing capacity is today. And just bear in mind, today it will be different to tomorrow, will be different to a month's time. Now, I'm not saying there are huge changes that will affect your borrowing capacity and your ability to access leverage. But what I am saying is that if you are really interested in pushing the envelope in really understanding how to optimize, then there's two things you need to do. Number one, you have to shop around. Do not be the person who goes to their own bank that you currently have your personal accounts with and say, what will you lend me? Oh, okay. You won't lend me the money. So I'll just live with that. Go elsewhere. Talk to other banks. Talk to other brokers. One thing I know for sure is that a good finance broker is worth their weight in gold, but majority of brokers are lazy and they will only go to the lenders that work for them. 
So what you need to do is be tenacious, shop around, keep asking the question, what else? And I know a lot of investors, and I've certainly been in this situation where I've hit up against a so-called limit, and then I've just continued to say, what else, what else, what else? And then I found another, another opportunity to change things. Now, I'm not suggesting that you push to the limit. What I am suggesting is that you don't necessarily have to accept the first answer, but above all else, get clarity on your borrowing capacity. Second thing, as I mentioned before, is we want to think like a chess master. The first part of the wealth building journey, and if you haven't listened to it already, go back and listen to my podcast on the three the three games that you have to play if you want to become financially independent. But the first part of the wealth building game is build capital. You cannot skip over that part. So if you are going to take your dollar or your premium income out of your pocket today and put it into assets for a better tomorrow, you want to be sure that you do it in the fewest possible good moves. You don't want to just, you know, fall for the first glossy marketing brochure that comes your way. You don't want to be sucked into something that someone said on socials that makes sense to you. So you jump in on a deal. You want to think about what is the overarching game plan? How are you going to go bang, 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 move, move, move to get you to the optimal outcome? So you've got to buy wisely. You've got to buy properties that have the greatest chance of growth over time while understanding that if you buy blue chip properties, all blue chip properties, for example, while you might be stacking the odds of growth in your favor, you're going to put a huge burden on your shoulders around managing negative cash flow potentially. So I guess the point that I'm making is that you can't avoid the capital building component of the game, but focus on quality moves. Get that trade-off between carrying negative cash flow and growth right. And, you know, everyone's a millionaire with the benefit of our hindsight. But what we want to do is understand that we want to do our research. We want to have our investing rules and we want to be thinking two or three moves ahead at least. The last thing that I want to say is that investing is a process of laying bets. There's no question about that. So even if you do all the right things, as I said earlier, it's only with the benefit of hindsight, you'll know whether or not you made a good decision. But I guess the point I'm trying to make on this one is sometimes you just have to park your capital and wait. Sometimes investing, particularly in assets like real estate, which don't move rapidly, Fortunately, it's a waiting game. It's like watching paint dry, unfortunately. So if you are feeling impatient, just remind yourself that you are playing the long game. And then obviously, I guess the the real punchline that I want to kind of deliver to you is that I have clients who don't hold a huge amount or a huge volume of real estate deals. Maybe they own two, maybe they own three, maybe they own four. Sometimes they own a way more than that. But by getting to a point where you can see See that you've created net worth and you've got some good working capital sitting behind you and then taking a small piece of that and diverting it into investments which deliver rapid immediate cash flow, that is then how you sidestep the 45-year plan and shrink it to a much shorter time frame. So the reason I'm telling you this is I think that we get caught up in thinking that tolerating the rubbish cash flow that comes from traditional property is the only game that we can participate in, but it's not. And so today was really around addressing, do you need to own a huge portfolio of properties to be successful? And the answer is 
100% no. But you do need to be strategic. You do need to think like a chess master and you do need to be asking the question, what else and how can I shorten my timeline to financial independence? Hope you guys found this useful. Can't wait to catch up with you next time. And as always, please keep on sending those questions through. I really appreciate the feedback that I've been getting. Take care. You've been listening to the Alternative Investing Podcast. If you're feeling frustrated that despite doing everything right in the property investing playbook and you're no closer to financial freedom, then head on over to inkosiwealth.com to learn more about how you can use alternative investments to catapult your investing income and blend strategies to shave decades off your timeline to financial freedom. See you on the next episode.